everybody, and welcome to Say Report Junior, a podcast you should be listening to, subscribed to, and downloading every week. I'm one of your hosts, Dale Decker. And I'm the other host, Zach Sarowick. Zach, I have a question for you. <laughs> I, oh God, it's like scary when someone says that and starts laughing. Yes, it's what's really, the question? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm playing it up, but it's not really a scary question. My very simple question is... Do you have a favorite animal? Um, not, I, no. I mean, I'm a cat. I like cats and dogs. I don't think about, no, I don't have a favorite animal, don't. I don't think. All right, there we go. See, Devin, if you're listening, when you're listening, there you go. You're not alone. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I feel like I just dragged some sort of weird sibling fight that I No, missed. <laughs> it's not a fight, but we were driving. <laughs> we were driving around um, on, I don't even know if it was Saturday. It was Saturday, uh, Sunday. I believe it was Sunday. And we're driving back from wherever we were, Connecticut. And I just, like, I don't remember what prompted it. Something Devin said prompted it. And I was just, like, started talking about my favorite animals. <laughs> oh, oh, that's why his tongue, we were eating Skittles. And his tongue was like black, like purple black. Oh God! And so he, because uh, all yeah, the skittles. He, yeah, I was gonna say all of the colors yes. of the rainbow coming together. So, so he was like, "Oh, I got a giraffe tongue." And then I was like, "Yeah, giraffes are my favorite animal, favorite land animal." And I just like went off about how <laughs> giraffes. <laughs> like that you were you were ready not only for that, but that you also had them qual- like qualified between land and sea and yeah. air. I'm assuming. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I like I was like, yeah, giraffes are definitely my favorite land animal because sharks are my favorite animal, sea animal. And I'm like, but giraffes really just the sharks of the land because of their adaptations and what like and I just like went off. And then I was just like, Devin, do you have a favorite animal? And it like <laughs> dumbfounded him. He like didn't know what was going on. I think I scared him. It made him really uncomfortable with the question of, this, do you have this, a favorite animal? Here's this massive info dump. And also, <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, pretty. That's that's literally how it went. Um, so uh. I just, but then it made me think, like, I don't think that the question of, do you have a favorite animal is like, I don't think it's something that people think of <laughs> normally. I think there are certain people that do, and I think they're mostly in the field of working with animals in some way already. Yeah, I guess. Like I'm sure. I think my cousin, my cousin Sasha, who works with um, works with animals in Texas, would definitely have an answer to that question. Yeah, and like so... I, I, I have a friend who we grew up like all of her birthdays were trail rides, so I got to, and and she is like trying to become a vet and all of that. Like she's trying to go into animal science and everything so like she definitely would have an answer and I've had an answer just because I mean I've always loved animals but um like the idea of animals and then it got it got to the point where I was like I like I grew up watching Animal Planet like that is I watched cartoons and I watched Animal Planet nice <laughs> and like that was basically like I went to bed with Animal Planet on. I woke up. There used to be like a game show that I would wake up to that was like a Jeopardy like double dare kind of thing where there were challenges and physical challenges, but it all had to do with animals. 
Um, so, like, the topic of animals, I feel like, has been around in my life for me to have that answer. But, yeah, it, it was just, so I was like, I'm going to ask Zach. This is going to be a great way to start the episode. <laughs> and uh, you confirmed that. It doesn't I, I like seem our, like people think I, I like our animals. furry and feathered and scaled and gilled friends. I just don't <laughs> think about them very often. Yeah, like... Unless they're right in front of me. <laughs> unless you're catching them in a Pokeball. Anyways... That too. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, but it's just like I've always... I've always had an answer to that question. <laughs> and it's like... It was just... Like, I'd never expected someone not to have an answer to it. So it was just... It was really interesting. It was an interesting mile. It's not a milestone. It was an interesting moment <laughs> in my life that I wanted to share. Well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Allow me welcome. to use it to segue into kind of a bummer, if I can. Um, yeah, we'll do a roller coaster episode. That's to, fine. Yeah, I say that as I, I say that like I'm laughing, but only because it's I, I'm about to I feel bad and for some reason my reaction to feeling bad about this is that I'm gonna laugh a little bit well, but defense you mechanisms. know who else liked animals oh <laughs> yeah yeah that was your segue well I have Jeez. a specific reason for that okay um by now I mean we're two but yeah two days. a day and a half a day and a half two days yeah. away from it by now the news has gotten out the uh Creator of SpongeBob passed away this week from ALS. I guess he was diagnosed like last year uh, at yeah. the age of 57, which sucks. Um, yeah. But uh, especially because like two weeks ago, we went on to a SpongeBob tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you texted me and I was like, whoa. Yeah. But uh, Steven whoa. Hillenberg, uh, the creator of SpongeBob, passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, but. He started his life as a marine biologist, which oh, is where hey. I was getting at. Oh, wow. Uh, All right. I've been doing a whole bunch of, like, reading about him the last, reading. like, two days. Yeah, he started as a marine biologist, went back to – went to CalArts, actually, oh, okay. which is really funny considering, like, these days really crappy animation fans like to blame CalArts for ruining animation. <laughs> um but went back to, went went to Cal Arts to for animation and then went on to write for Rocco's Modern Life, mm -hmm. and then after that ended, he went to Nickelodeon and pitched a show called SpongeBoy Ahoy, which they <laughs> were like, "Well, that no kid that <laughs> that will not find sell." A, find a different name, um, and we got SpongeBob out of that. Yep. Uh, and so, like the last like two days, I've been watching. First off, I've just been watching like the outpouring on Twitter. Like, I was. Very happy to find out that, like, it wasn't like Stephen Hillenberg died, and then the next day it was like, oh, and here's how he was secretly terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. no, it was Stephen Hillenberg passed away, and it has been like nothing but an outpouring of mm. respect and love, and our hearts go out to his family yeah. Um, yeah. and all of the fans. But it has really made me think a lot. I mean, especially because, like, like I said, like two weeks ago, we just, we just like went off 20 minutes, just, just fell off a cliff, <laughs> right? Right, right to rock bottom. Right to rock bottom. <laughs> um, and, we, and we just kept, we just couldn't stop ourselves yeah. from, from talking about how, how happy that show had made us over the last 20 years. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. you go, you go. It was, it was just like, it was one of those moments where, first of all, I need, I shouldn't admit this on a podcast, but I am going to, um, <laughs> I never really, so I, I like, Watching Spongebob as a kid, I never thought about creators or writers or anything like that, voice actors or anything like that. So I actually never knew the name of the creator. 
um, until I was like, I had to double check myself because I was like, wait, when you first sent it and I just like, I automatically thought Tom Kenny. Well, that's fair because when someone said to me, the creator, they before they said the name, mm-hmm. someone said to me, the creator of SpongeBob died. And that was exactly where my brain yeah, so it, was like, oh my God, Tom Kenny, no exactly. way, he didn't create the show. And then that yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, what? Like, and then I had to like double check. I'm like, wait, I don't think he created uh, SpongeBob. And I was like, found out I was wrong. But I was like, but this, like, this still hits me harder and like no disrespect like it still was sad when i heard the news but this hit me harder than um stan lee passing and i think it was because like i got into comic books and you know comic book movies kind of later in in my childhood and later in my life really like i didn't really buy comics until maybe like high school high school college you know but SpongeBob was always there. Like, SpongeBob was such a huge part of my childhood to the f- point where, like, I f- constantly am finding old doodles that I've done that are just SpongeBob characters. My mom, I had a folder that was SpongeBob talking into the little walkie talkie from the episode where they're trying to, you know, I don't remember what he's called, but they're him and Patrick are like trying to be cops or whatever. Oh yes, and oh the maniac. The, the maniac. maniac. Yes, it is the maniac. Okay, oh, thank you. Oh, oh my god, maniac. Patrick, he's menacing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think so, I see him, SpongeBob. I think I see the maniac. Under, <laughs> he's under a streetlight. He's square. <laughs> um. So yeah, so like I had a folder that had SpongeBob in that. To the where I traced it because I was at my mom's work, you know, entertaining myself, because um, like I probably didn't have school or something that day, so I went with her to work, and I traced the outline of SpongeBob, and like gave it to my mom, and she hung it in her cubicle, and it remained there, and I she still has the photo, like she still has the drawing, um, like that is how much SpongeBob impact, like it. I carried it around with me all the time. So it really did like hit me harder <laughs> than I expected it to. And yeah, it's just, you I, know, I think that's totally understandable. Cause yeah. it definitely hit. Like I've been thinking about that too. And I've like, even today, cause I've been thinking about where this is one of these things that just for whatever reason, sent my brain down this kind of weird path of like, I think about SpongeBob mm-hmm. and then I think about what came kind of came after that. And so, like, Seijin and, and Devin have talked about this before on the Say Report. Uh, God knows what episodes. They all blend <laughs> together at this point. But they've talked a lot about the fact that, like, the 90s often didn't feel like it had an identity. Yeah. That, like, there was a thought going on in the 90s that just felt like a lot of spaghetti being thrown at the wall and coming back. Um, I have – I don't necessarily follow that same belief. I think that the 90s was much more a – very cynical and angry reaction to the 80s um as much as we all love stuff from the 80s i also think that there's a lot of at least especially people who grew up in the 80s going into the 90s i think saw a lot of uh monetizing of crap that they loved like to the point where it became all very corporate and you know the 80s was full of like like metal became glam rock where it was like corporations were manufacturing these things to come together and um like a lot of the people who were 
the adults in the 80s were like the hippies of the 60s mm-hmm. who had gone corporate and kind of lost their souls and all this kind of stuff. So I think the 90s was this very much uh, reaction to that. Like early 90s grunge is so much a reaction to, yeah, totally. uh, to like the music industry specifically becoming this like crazy corpo thing. And, you know, you have shows like Daria all about <laughs> all about like how high school just feels like complete crap because everybody is trying to pretend to be these people they're not when really everybody's just the cynical this and that and I think what happened was I, I I was thinking about this and I think Spongebob might be the peak moment at the end of the 90s when they went when someone just went what if we just weren't angry anymore yeah yeah exactly <laughs> what if what if instead of you know being angry about the stuff we used to love being ruined or being cynical about the world or looking at the world and being like, this is, this is all terrible and anxiety inducing. What if it was just, you just found what you loved and you did it and mm-hmm. you didn't give a shit about anything else. Yeah. Cause I, I was thinking a lot about Hillenberg coming from writing on Rocco's modern life, which Rocco's modern life is hugely all about like the anxieties of being an adult and like, you can't even, there's like an entire episode where all he wants to do is vacuum his house and he can't get the damn vacuum to work <laughs> and all of this stuff. And it's so funny to think about him going from that to SpongeBob who found like purpose in life, flipping a burger. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he was happy and he was and, and happy about it. Like happy, it wasn't. Yep. Yeah. Like, like it was, it was the thing he was good at that made him feel whole mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. and like that to me was what spongebob always was kind of coming out of the 90s and into the early 2000s with that and i think that the legacy that that spongebob kind of brought with it is that a lot of the people making the shows now that we love i know you just started Shira. yes i did <laughs> and like and um i which i i loved and then there was you know there's adventure time and steven universe and star yep. and um gravity falls and there's these running themes in all of these very weird, very emotional shows where the theme always seems to come down to your friends and your family and optimism are going to get you through every, every, anything. Yeah. And I think that's because all of the people making those shows grew up With... watching Spongebob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it definitely has shaped uh, – it, it, it's helped shape a lot of cartoons. I, I agree with that, yeah. Um. Yeah, Even because Twitter, like, it, oh like, my god, it, Twitter memes that are just nothing oh, but yeah. SpongeBob. I mean, SpongeBob. Like, I, I probably can't go like more like a week without referencing a SpongeBob episode at least like three times during the week or more. Like, it's it is so ingrained in like my everyday. You know, there's always a reference to it. There's always a reference to it, and it's always like. And it's people who are my age and, you know, around my gener- our generation, or my generation or whatever, our generation. We're in the same generation, right? I don't know. I We're don't, close I, enough. I don't know generations at all. I think technically, I'm just going to be technically, normal. I'm just going to be yeah, honest I think with technically that. I might be millennial and you might be Z. I don't know. Yeah, they all blend together at some know. point. Um, I don't understand generations at all. That's another question. <laughs> That's another topic for another time. But, like, yeah, I feel... If it's not me making a reference, it's one of my coworkers or, you know, just people I went to school with. Like, it's it's always there. SpongeBob is, all, like I said, has always been there. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. And it's 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 crazy that it's still going. Like, episodes are still being made. And 
it, it's I mean I don't know how good those episodes are because I don't really watch yeah, them really... anymore um yeah like I looked at like his like uh Hillenberg's time on the show specifically which was the first three seasons and then the movie mm-hmm. like that was that was to him that was the show like he he had actually planned on the, the movie being like the, the end. end of the series yeah and then Nickelodeon was like we're not giving this up what are you talking <laughs> about and so he you know still did some producing and, and stuff like that and like produced the second movie but he largely stepped away from from Spongebob after the movie but even then like those first three seasons are probably what everybody thinks about when they think about Spongebob oh yeah and definitely. The, that movie I don't know that movie doesn't have any right to be as good as it was no <laughs> like <laughs> Starting with the fact that it's got David, a giant David Hasselhoff robot that they had to build for that scene. Um, but I was even like, I think about the movie and I even just when I think about Spongebob, one of the things that just pops to mind is the entire last sequence of that movie. That is the like, I want to rock. Yes. Like claymation music video. Oh, that yeah. They made. yeah. There's there, it's it's very rare where I will hear like, I want to rock and not immediately go I'm a goofy gooba <laughs> we're oh, all goofy man. goobas you know yeah, like it's it, it just they are one and the same to me <laughs> like it, it's just it amazes me that in a time when everybody was so cynical at the beginning of the 2000s for a lot of good reasons yeah uh and a lot of and and just in general and like as this kind of culture of like irony and Oh, you don't you you can't watch the things you like because being sincere about the things you like really means you're just trying to fake something or other. All these weird concepts in our head where we just kind of forget that it's okay to like things for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like SpongeBob is nothing but just love the things you love. Yeah. Like and- love love that old TV show with the old actors that are losing their minds. Yeah. Or love sitting in a freaking box. <laughs> and pretending for and a little just bit having some imagination yeah it's i mean even like you even think of the character of squidward who is like he is that he is the cynical he is the you know the grumpy person who is there but even he like he loves playing the clarinet he loves dance like he loves trying to be this arts artistic person yeah he doesn't you know it doesn't really go anywhere for him, but he still does it and he doesn't give up. And he, you know, there are those moments where he's even like warmed by like a SpongeBob's gesture or something. But it's also like a comment on, yeah, there's going to be negativity, but you're going to be able to rise against it. And that negativity is also going to be able to get over it and, and become positive. Yeah even for a second, you know? So it's, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, again, just, I, clearly this was something that like, I think affected both of us more than we thought it yeah, did. Yeah. I mean, it, at we, first. we um, took another whole 20 minutes to talk about but, it. <laughs> so but, it, it definitely you know, did. It, you know, SpongeBob is, is surprisingly up there as one of, is going to be, remain probably one of the longest lasting cartoon characters of all time yeah <laughs> uh for a show that was you know started out as Spongeboy ahoy <laughs> that's um, great i never knew that that's fantastic yeah. the other part of that is that he poached um tom kenny from snl for that job too <laughs> tom kenny yep. was at a moment in his life where he was like i'm either going to go uh audition for snl 
or I'm going to take this job with Nickelodeon for this voice for this voice job. And then, and like he, I think he made the right choice because yeah. he got a 20 year career out oh, of it. Oh, definitely. Like, um, it's also uh, my like one other SpongeBob memory is at the movies they used to have like good trivia beforehand, um, <laughs> and like facts and stuff. And um, there was one that I just remember freaking out about. I don't remember what movie we saw, but before it was like a picture of SpongeBob and I think it was information and it was like, Sponge, did you know that SpongeBob is old enough to vote? And I like freaked out in the theater because, because <laughs> the I was like, of time. the passing of time, because and I was like still a kid. So I was like, what? SpongeBob is old enough to like do stuff. I thought he was like my age but i guess he has like and i just like went up i'm like i guess he has a a job so that makes sense but like i was himself with his my my snail (laughs) my little my little brain just exploded (laughs) by knowing that he could vote and i think that was like the that was like the beauty of that show where it was like here's a show about adult characters but every single kid that watches them is relating to them in one yeah. way or another. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, so, so yeah. So we just wanted to, <laughs> so we wanted to uh, say that we wanted again to, you know, say our, our hearts are out to the fan, fans and friends and family of Steven Hillenberg. Yes. Um, on a more positive note, another thing that happened over the weekend was that Amanda Bynes did her first interview in like years Yeah, I, about uh... <laughs> possibly coming back into acting. But even that she's like, you know, whenever I, what I feel like it, but, uh, it just came out of nowhere. Like she's going to, she's, um, going to a fashion, the, uh, one of the big fashion Institute schools in New York. I forget the name already. I'm sure it's like super famous and I'm going to look silly for not remembering it, but she's like, she's in fashion school right now. And like, that's where her focus is. And that's where she's been for like four years. Somehow makes sense. Like that makes a hundred percent sense. That was a sentence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess she was getting a lot into fashion and stuff like before she stopped acting yeah. before. So now that she's, you know, she's been talked about being in recovery and getting back into school and finding herself again. And it was like this really nice, like, feeling of like, oh, thank God, our childhood stuff is coming back in positive ways. Yeah, exactly. As well. um, That's which good. is very nice for her. Yeah. It's very uh, exciting. Uh, very excited. You talk for a little bit about stuff before I try to. I have, I have something I have to try and explain to Dale, everybody, and everybody else. But I think. Oh, is this your DC I think, stuff? Yes, my DC. I I, I fell into some DC shows again. But before that, you talk a little bit. Okay, about all right. What you've been doing. Um. So this week has been a a, a weird week. Um. Just like work wise and like days off wise. Um. Oh yeah, there was a holiday in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Thanksgiving happened. Woohoo food uh, <laughs> and and being thankful for things um but so it was weird because you know I was sick with bronchitis and I'm getting over that now um but I so I had like a day off I went to work had a day off went to work the next day then had two days off went to work for a day and then had two days off and then God. two days off again and now I'm on my weekend again. So it's been a very splotchy <laughs> week <laughs> of work and, like, days off. It's been a good, like, it's been nice. But it's, like, it's just been very strange. 
Um, but with that, with all those time that time off, uh, I was able to see a couple movies, few few movies. Um, so I mentioned Wreck It Ralph. Well, you Ralph did. Ralph breaks the internet, which is great. Um, I know Devin talked about it on the Say Report, uh, but we watched FM on Thanksgiving, <laughs> on Thanksgiving night. And yeah, what, okay. I, 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 I was like listening while I was at work, so I did not catch much of that. So, what is FM? So FM is, so there's a, there's a song by Steely Dan called FM. And Devin can explain this way better. But basically, my understanding is that FM, like the song for FM, was written for the movie or the movie was written and then they were like, hey, we need a song. Um, I don't remember which came first, the song or the movie. But it basically is about, you know, running a running a radio station and um, having this radio station and the, the the like conflict in the in the movie is the army because their station um it's Q Sky I don't remember the call sign but it's it's the station is called Q Sky I believe and um they're like the number one rated radio station it's because of that the army's like hey we want to put our commercials on there. But the whole thing is that, no, we're about music. Like, we hardly have commercial. We don't have commercials. We we hardly speak. And, you know, it's about the music. It's not about that. So, like, that's where the conflict comes in. <laughs> I like that. It's like, it's not just that someone <laughs> wants to run a commercial. It's that the army wants to run a yeah. commercial. And so it's like both anti-capitalism yeah. and anti-army. I, I, and anti- I, I think it's the 60s. I could be wrong <laughs> um, in, in my facts. But it, I think it's. I want to say it's the 60s. Um, so, yeah, it is very, you know, no, well, peace. Like, we need we need peace and, like, right. love. And that's what we promote here at this station. Um, but it was, like, a really cool, strange movie to watch. Because it was, it was very vignette-y. <laughs> um, like, it was kind of just... Yeah, there was a there was a through story and like I said there's the conflict, but the way it's told is it's really like we're going to drop you in at this moment and now we're going to move forward in time and we're going to drop you in here and like show you this moment and give a little bit of the conflict over here. Oh, and now we're going to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert and then maybe bring a little bit more of the conflict out. And then it, it sounds very like, much like it was like this is the 60s or the 70s yeah. or like whatever. And then like we've got this kind of framing device around it. But what we really wanted to do was celebrate the music the of music. this time. Yeah. And then put. OK. And it really is like you have the like this killer soundtrack. And it like it's a it's a movie that I think not a lot of people like, but I think a lot of people should see. Um mainly like because the soundtrack like i said is fantastic the story is actually kind of cool like don't you know try to stay true to yourself and you know if if you see yourself going down the wrong path and if it's for the wrong reasons like if it's just for money and and all that you know you gotta weigh those out like money isn't everything um in in most cases (laughs) so you know it, it it takes that um but yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really interesting movie. <laughs> um, 
that really is kind of like just a day in the life style kind of movie, um, which are always interesting, I believe. <laughs> um, but it, it's also kind of people people say that it's the precursor to WKRP in Cincinnati. Um, OK, if you if you know that show. Um, but actually, the pilot of WKRP in Cincinnati was filmed before FM. And then FM came out, and then WKRP came out. So I wonder if it was they, like I, I wonder if it's like someone someone who had like screened yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati saw FM saw like a popular was like, well, get yeah. that show greenlit now. I think now. <laughs> I think it was kind of they're like one in the same, and they were interconnected. Hi, Ruby Cat. Um, my cat is <laughs> is now sitting at my feet. Everyone, hi. Um, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, that was really cool. And then what else did I see? Oh, Smallfoot. Smallfoot is so. I apparently got to see this you movie need to now. See I it. now have three people who have endorsed this movie. <laughs> this you really do. And and Sejin did such a good job selling it. Like I am going to be. I'm giving him all the credit because beforehand I was like, eh, Smallfoot. I'll see it eventually. And then he talked about it, and I was like, I need I need to see this movie. And knowing it was a musical, I think, helped. Because if I went in not knowing that, I don't know if I would have liked it as much as I did. Um, but I have, since watching it on Monday, I have listened to the soundtrack, soundtrack nonstop. <laughs> um, the songs are fantastic. The story is fantastic. And it's a story that, like, kids really should see. And sh- like like Sejin talked about on this week's report, um, it's a it's a story that like as kids grow up, they're gonna understand more and more, and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie that everyone should see. And then I also saw the Pokemon movie Power of Us. Oh which... yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> So were they just – I'm still trying to figure out what was happening when you were texting me about that. Were they playing just the soundtrack so... from the, the movie in the theater in the pitch blackness? Or was the pitch blackness because it was the phone was in your pocket nope. when you recorded it? Nope. So this is like a PSA <laughs> kind of uh, as to why you don't go see why, – why, why we as the Deckers drive an hour – uh, like a half an hour to an hour to go see Fathom Event movies because our local theater sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've said I've said stories before uh, about their you know how it's run and everything, and it, I feel bad saying it sucks <laughs> because I do like going there from time to time, but it just needs to get better. They just need yep. to get better. <laughs> At what they do. That sort of of thing is always on management, not so much the teenagers who are paid to be there, Dave. No, 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 no. That's the most important, yeah. Yeah, and I I get that. And uh, like I said, I feel bad. I should maybe redact my statement of that it sucks, but, like, it does. Uh, (laughs) Because, so I get there for the Fathom event. And it's really, they're they're not good with the Fathom events. Um, Like... They don't, so usually at that one, they'll have, like, a documentary or something beforehand. And, like, I went to, oh, what did we try to go see? I don't, 
I want to say it was the Untouchables or the I don't remember. Um, but there was a documentary playing, like a short, just like a short, you know, little interview with the director or something, and in it, it spoils part of the movie. And I'm sitting there in the theater, never have seen this movie before, and I'm like, well, that was huge. And, like, I understand that they can't tailor it. Like, they can't be like, oh, everybody's seen. Like, they can't right. tailor it for that. But if if it were me, if I were running that theater or, like, running the show, if you have a choice in the matter, because, again, they might not, but if you have a choice in the matter, you play that after the movie. Because... Then people have the choice to leave <laughs> if they want. <laughs> um, if they don't want to sit there for another 20 minutes watching the show, watching the mo- the video, you know, the movie, the short. Um, and it doesn't get spoiled for people who have never seen the movie before. <laughs> so that happened. So we were trying to stay away. Um, but on Monday with Pokemon, I walk in. I am the only one who walks. I am the only one in the theater. And I'm sitting there alone, and the screen is just black. All right? There's audio, but the screen is just completely black, and I'm like, whatever. I don't need the pre-show. It sucks that I can't be watching it because it sounds like there's some fun stuff going on. And it's <laughs> how, really... Uh, how early were you to the show? I was out of curiosity. probably like a half an hour early, which is when the pre-show would be playing. Right, because um, like I said, there's audio, so obviously yes, something is playing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was probably there half an hour early. Um, and it's it's really difficult to play Who's That Pokemon with a <laughs> black screen uh, in front uh, of you. Is there a Pokemon that's just a big giant square? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that was happening. And it, it was just the funny – it was funny – because I had to like make up visuals for myself to like these weird Pokemon songs and commercials. There was like a commercial for Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. I think there was a commercial for Black and White, it sounded like. Or at least maybe the like show. I don't know. It was there were it was like all commercials for Pokemon products. Um but so anyway, so I'm sitting there, more people come in, and I think there was like maybe 10 people in the theater, and um, the movie starts, and there's still no screen. Still still black. We are all sitting in darkness now. Still no screen, still no picture, and the movie starts. It sounds like the movie starts, and everybody in there, oh, what the hell? Like, I paid thirteen fifty for this. What the fuck is this shit? Like, and, like, two or three people left the theater to go talk to someone. I'm like, well, I'm just going to sit here because they're doing my job for me. <laughs> um, I'm just going to sit here and wait. Um, so, eventually the picture comes back on, and it's, like, in the middle of action. And I'm like, all right, I wonder if they're going to start it over. And it didn't seem like they were going to. So I was like, whatever. I missed the first, like, three minutes. I'm sure I can find it somewhere. Um, and this then is a Pixar film. And, I didn't miss someone die in that exactly, three minutes, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then sound gets cut and the screen Jesus. goes black. And I was like, 
oh, these people are going to flip out. And everybody in the theater started to flip out. And then it, like, because they restarted it. So they started back, like, maybe 10 minutes into the pre-show. Or, like, maybe five minutes into the pre-show. And then it started. And it's like, guys, have someone in come in and give a speech. And be like, sorry about that, folks. We're going to restart it for you. Um, Just give us a second. We're working on it right now. You know, like that is so easy to just send someone in. And and it was just, I'm just again sitting there in the darkness of the theater. Like, these people are so upset. And like, I'm enjoying my time here. (laughs) Because. A little little bit of shouting for it. Just watching this whole thing fall apart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And so it starts. And it wasn't even the movie that had started. It was like a Pokemon Generation short. Of course, because they, they, of course, had to stick a short at the beginning of a Pokemon movie like they do on all of them. Oh, not just one. Three. Wait, what? So, it, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it was a Pokemon Generation short uh, about, I want to say Lance... He has a cape and red hair and a dragonite. Oh, yes. Is it Lance? I, I know that because I just beat him in the yes. Elite Four. Yes, I know. Yes. Um, so, so it's Lance, like, running through a facility, like, breaking into a Team Rocket facility. And then you have the character of, well, I guess, Red would be the character also sneaking in. You never see his face. Like, it's really, it was a really cool short. But so that happens. It was great. I was like, this is weird. I thought I was seeing another movie. Oh, well. Um, And then, like, darkness. And then the next short starts, Pokemon Generations. And I was like, I wonder if these people are just sizzling in their seats. Um, But, like, it was my first time ever, like, seeing a Pokemon movie in theater. Because I don't think I saw the first one in the theater. So I was just enjoying every minute of it. Because (laughs) I was like, this is cool. Because I've never seen this stuff ever um so the second short was about the three legendary like dog pokemon like the i mean they're pretty much dogs um suicune um entei and ryoku i can never pronounce the last one's name <laughs> riku sure i want to say oh. it's the yellow one um but it's the you know <laughs> the three dog like the three legendary um how like they came to be and like really sad like how they lost all faith in humanity because you know they were three nameless pokemon that died in a fire and um oh my god the darkness that it's like is yeah. in the undercurrent of the pokemon universe <laughs> yeah and they so they all died in in a fire and ho-oh Ho-Oh? Yeah, Ho-Oh came and, like, sprinkled its magic onto them, created three legendaries, and the townspeople revolted, um, uh, right, like, retaliated against them because they were so scared of what they were and the power that they had. So, like, it's all about Suicune, like, losing respect and, like, losing trust in all humans. Um... And it was, like, really, like, sad. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I am not prepared to be crying right now. 
<laughs> um, the best part of that short is there is a moment where it's raining and everybody is sad because these three Pokemon had just died in a fire. And there's a fucking Rattata just sitting on the ground with its tongue out, dr- like licking up water from the sky. <laughs> and I was like, freaking read the room, Rattata. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> like people are crying, <laughs> death just occurred. Uh. <laughs> it's like, what is this? It tastes great on my rat tongue. Like, no, no, it was everywhere. just. They're everywhere. And I just started laughing uncontrollably at that. I was like, I feel bad that I'm laughing, but like clearly, what I should be laughing at. Um, and then like a short. Happened to uh, like a short documentary happened about Pokemon <laughs> and about Detective Pikachu, and I'm like, I just want to watch the movie now. I just want to watch the movie now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just that's why you don't go see Fathom events at this theater at the War Theater. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, man. it was bad. It was really, really bad. The movie was fantastic, and I cried my eyes out. Um, this is the sequel to the one where Pikachu talked, right? <laughs> I don't think so. No. It's not a sequel to I, the Gotta Catch Them All or whatever? I the Choose last You? One that was no. The, or I Choose You? It's it's really just like a standalone film. Like, it's, oh, it's cool. just Ash continuing his thing. He goes to Fula City for the Wind Festival. And um, it's really... Spoilers for Pokemon the movie, Power of Us. Um, it's really about Z- uh, Zerora. The, oh. like, new uh, electric kind of, like, tiger-looking thing. Um, legendary mythical, cre- like, mythical Pokemon. And, like, I, so I saw Smallfoot, and then I saw the Pokemon movie on the same day. Oh, my God. And, What a like, wild ride you had. <laughs> it was a really interesting double feature because they had a lot of similar themes about, like, being lied to and growing up with a belief and then finding out that, oh, this is not, none of this is true. <laughs> like, we need now to, like, fix something. Um, I hope I didn't give anything too much away. Uh, but, yeah, it was, like, a really cool double feature that, like, both had me in tears. <laughs> and it's just, like... We all need to be nicer to each other. We all just need to be nicer to each other. And that is my PSA for this week. Also, Creed 2, eh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. I mean, I haven't seen Creed. I don't know why I said that like I was surprised aside <laughs> from the fact that Creed got so much love. I was like, really? I mean, I just expected it to not be just out of. Oh, my God. No, yeah. It's. It, I was falling asleep during it. So, well, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the Rocky franchise. It's gonna <laughs> happen sometime. As long as there wasn't a robot, we're fine. Yeah, and I don't was there. It's a, ro- a the Rocky Four reference. I, no, I know. I don't oh, okay, think, good. I'm trying to remember <laughs> like, oh, if there's. I'm trying to remember if there was a robot now. I have a friend who really wanted that robot from Rocky Four to come back. I told him, you know that the way it comes back is it's like an umbrella stand in the corner. They're never gonna <laughs> get, like put the actual robot back in the movie. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was basically my my week and playing Pokemon. But that's it. That's 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 my week. <laughs> How's Pokemon going? I know that you were so excited when uh Reagan had a bucket on her head. Uh, Reagan is the best. 
<laughs> I love him so that much. Whole, that whole part, the whole idea of the partner Pokemon, it's just like, oh, by the way, if you need a break, take five minutes. Just go into this screen where you're face to face with an adorable Pokemon yep. that does like the most ridiculous yep. things. And um, so I, I freaking I love Reagan so much. He is like the powerhouse of my team um, and just so adorable. Like, I, I love that he mimics you. Well, you as my rival. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went through a run. I went through a run where Pick was pouty for like a good like three days while I was playing the game. You Every time I went to the that. damn menu, you she's like, she's just like, it's just like, oh, Pick Pick is pouting about this, or oh, she looks uncertain about that. And I was like, come on, I keep feeding you and petting you. What more do you want? Yeah, I I haven't experienced that yet. I've uh, oh. um. There was one time where Reagan was like exasperated by something, but I'm pretty sure it was because of our interaction with Team Rocket. He was yeah. like, "These fucks! Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Who are they? <laughs> Let's go uh. kill Giovanni." <laughs> I'm like, "Reagan, <laughs> calm down, there, buddy. We're not killing anybody. <laughs> We're just trying to save Cubone. Like, like you gotta bring it down a notch, there, bud." Did you did you do that by the way? Did you get to the top of the tower? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So that was one of the screenshots I got. I didn't want to share it until you did it. That whole scene. With that whole cutscene with Marowak uh, and Cubone. Uh, I took so, videos. I I'm took like, I took pics. Uh, <laughs> it just I was crying on the Okay. So I was I was playing the game on the couch and we were about to like watch something. And I am just in tears on the couch. And Devin was like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, Cupid. And, and, like, and, then... and then he's like, oh, okay. And then, because I wanted to make sure the, the videos came out correctly, I watched it again and cried <laughs> again. And I'm like, oh I have God. to not watch this anymore. Because what I, it's what I love about that is that. Me. And I don't think it's in the the original uh, Pokemon Yellow. Is that Cubone <laughs> is then on your rival's team? Yeah. I don't know if you've I don't know if you fought them since yeah. or anything. But he goes with him like mm -hmm. it's one of his Pokemon. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Because well, because he's all he's all like I need to like I can't let this I can't let this Cubone be alone. Like I love it now and it is mine and I am going to take care of it. Um. Yeah. It's and it it, it makes me actually really happy because. If if that Cubone was just like out in the world somewhere alone, I would feel really unsettled. Not it gonna like, lie. I mean, yeah, you've got this whole for anybody who's never played Pokemon before, and this all sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, Pokemon Tower is a section in the game which is essentially Pokemon graveyard. Like yeah. you go into a town, mm -hmm. and there is a tower with memorials to dead Pokemon, yep. which I don't think they were really thinking about twenty years ago. <laughs> to like give kids this game and be like think about all of these things as dead now well there's um, there's there's like at least one in every game yeah and there's this whole storyline <laughs> of um the little creature called cubone who's like running around the tower because their mother recently died killed by the bad guys killed by team rocket <laughs> killed by team rocket and the spirit is haunting the tower now so you go through this whole thing to like basically free the spirit of its mother and it's this most like the most depressing thing to think about and in the original version of the game it is never talked about after you do it nope like it is just a thing to get through in the game yeah <laughs> so that you can get an item to move forward yep and so i love that when they rewrote this game they did so much they did all of this great 
um, I mean, again, to continue this whole thing about like positive, happy storytelling, they have put they injected so much more like positivity and optimism into this version of the game like by by just by like making your rival just a friend that you are friends with now and like oak's grandson still shows up now and then but it's not like a jerk and like they Uh, yeah it's crazy wrote all of these sections that are like yeah no here's like a happy ending to this story that is completely dropped in the original version of this game so yeah yeah no i um i finished silfco and I have to just get my fifth badge. I'm working to get towards my fifth badge. So that's where I am <laughs> in that game. I'm Whereas not you. Break. I'm not going to break. That's <laughs> not where I am. You <laughs> are, are, I took a, are I took a champion. A, I took a, Congratulations. I took a lunch break today and I beat the Elite Four. <laughs> you, wait, did you do it on your lunch break? I did. I wow. did it in the middle of the day today. Wow. Uh, that nice. <laughs> uh, this is the first time. So in in twenty years of playing this game series, I have now finished two Pokemon games, both of them in the last like six months, because <laughs> I like loaded up and finished Sun earlier this year, and then this one. <laughs> See, <laughs> so <laughs> I finished three. <laughs> uh, like, and I haven't been playing as long. <laughs> So yeah, I was that was nice. That was a nice feeling, good yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, it's so nice. funny because my my finishing team was um, <coughs> was Pikachu and then Venusaur, Blastoise, Charizard, Aerodactyl, and Eradicate that I never used. I, at some point, I was like, oh, I need something that's good, like a dark move. So I put Eradicate that was ten levels too low on my team, thinking somehow that was going to be useful. Put him in for like one fight. He got knocked out in one hit, and I was like, well, you're useless, and just kept going. <laughs> be gone. So there's just a random, there's just a random level forty-one Eradicate on my winning team. Oh my <laughs> yeah, my my current team right now is Arbok, uh, Kadabra. Uh oh, Alolan Ninetales because I evolved nice. I evolved my po- my Vulpix. Um, Reagan, my Eevee, obviously. Oh, what was it? what's the last two? What are the oh Butterfree Butterfree, and uh Venusaur. Nice. Those are that is my team, and I I I got the Lapras from the guy in Silfco because he's like you look like trusting. Here's a Lapras. <laughs> Hello, small child that keeps beating up <laughs> these gangsters. Here, have a Lapras. Um, and I'm like, Lapras is like one of my unsung like favorite Pokemon, and I I don't know if I want to put it on my team because I don't I mean, know what to get rid of. Uh, yeah, at some point you'll want to just because you are coming up like in another like two or three gyms. You've got like a fire gym you're gonna hit, and it's yeah. like well. Well, well Venusaur is useless. <laughs> but here's the thing. Oh god, I just hit the mic. Uh here's the thing with like Reagan. Um Eevee, my Eevee can like learn all kinds of moves. That's true. Um so right now he has a move called Bubble Bounce that is a super like powerful water move that also heals him. So <laughs> I don't really so, like, need why? a water so, like, type. Why would I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really need a water type, <laughs> and it sucks because <laughs> I really want to laugh for some of my team. Plus, I have a lowland Vulpix who is ice, 
I mean, fire is going to be ice. But still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I did this week. Yes. Yeah. I fell down a dark hole. <laughs> Not a dark <laughs> hole. I fell down a very weird hole. You very need to weird, explain this strange, to dumb, goofy hole. So um, as I mentioned before, I've been watching Titans <laughs> on DC Universe, which is like a very good show. Mm. I don't know when it became a very good show, but it's a very Have I talked about this? Titans? Or was I just thinking about or was I just thinking about when I was talking with CJ? No, yeah, did I mention so, last so week? you mentioned it last week and you said it like started off rocky kind of like oh, how right. all the DC shows started and that it has gradually gotten better. I yes, have a question though. Yes. So it's on it's on DC Universe, is that what you're saying? Yes. Is that like an it app? Is- that is the that is DC's new streaming service. Cjen has talked about this before, but this is this is DC's is new streaming service. Stream, okay, yeah. So, but, heard... but what it is, it, and it is an app. But what it has is a bunch of D, it's DC shows, DC movies, and a giant library of DC comics. comics. Okay, I did not put two and two together. Yeah. After yeah, hearing it's... you and Cjen talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same service. So, but right now, like their show offering and movie offering is not great yeah and i suspect a big part of that is because a lot of their stuff like none of the arrowverse stuff is on there and i imagine that's because it's currently like between cw and netflix and hulu and all of this stuff it's probably wrapped up in so many different streaming and prime uh, and prime Mm -hmm. yeah so between all of its different like um contracts that are out right now like i suspect that stuff will move over there eventually but like it's just like it's uh, there's there's stuff that has to be worked out, I think. But um, they're also working on a series on a whole bunch of original shows. It's also got all that like DC animated stuff that's come out recently, like oh, okay. Death of Superman and Red Sun and um, Doom and uh, Batman versus or like Batman versus Robin, I think was one of them. But like all of those animated ones that have come out over the last few years that they pretty much have direct control over are all kind of slowly eking out on there too. But uh, the big thing is that they are like working on their own original shows. And so mm-hmm. Titans is the first of those that premiered with the service. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, very like dark and gritty at the beginning and like everything with Robin is very dark and gritty. It's just like around him, everybody kind of seems to be knocking him over the head, like stop brooding you baby. Yeah. Like, um, so it like does this mix of doing like all the dark and gritty stuff, but it actually balances it out with other, you know, better storytelling. Um, so, the, uh, I've been looking. I was like looking at the other shows that are on there, and like, it's got the Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman with like Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. Oh my so god! So I've been planning on getting into that. Uh, I started to watch the pilot. I didn't realize the pilot is like ninety minutes long because it was done as like a as a like two parter or a made for TV movie or something. So Jeez. I like so I haven't watched the whole thing. But it does include a scene in which Lex Luthor is just sitting there staring at the fire and a snake comes in for no reason. And he turns around and he stares at it and like stares it down and it just leaves the room and it's never explained what the hell that scene is about. <laughs> what? His, um, his, his chauffeur in the show is a very stereotypical uh, Middle Eastern man with like a turban. Like his Indian man with a turban that has a snake. And for some reason, the snake like comes in the room and Lex Luthor like stares it down and it leaves. And I think they were trying so to Lex be Luther like. So Lex Luthor is a parcel tongue? Either that or they were just trying to be like, look how badass Lex Luthor is. He can stare down a snake. Like, like I think that's all they were trying to do with that Jesus. scene. 
<laughs> but that's like that's like a perfect idea of like this is what DC TV is sometimes in like the weirdest ways, right? Like even the Arrowverse shows get funky at times because they just like the better, especially in the better ones, like Flash and Supergirl get silly at, oh, yeah. at many times. But there was a moment where like DC was peak like 90s and early 2000s. And I think the perfect vision of that is Birds of Prey. <laughs> <laughs> so Birds of Prey, um, in, in the comics, Birds of Prey was a, is, which is the movie that they're working on now is going to be based on the comics as well. Birds of Prey is Huntress, Batgirl, and... Um. Oh God. Catwoman. No. Uh. Black. No. Black Canary. Oh. Oh. Uh, the one that you sent me is. It's yes. Catwoman. I'll explain. Yes. I'll explain to you in a second what that is. But uh, that's because of who Huntress is basically Batman and Catwoman's daughter yeah. in that show, which is depending on which version. Like the original actual Birds of Prey was not that Huntress. It was a different Huntress. It's like the one that showed up in Arrow. This is all part of the confusion to all of this. Um. That I feel version, like there I think, are a of, lot of birds of prey. There, there are, I think, like different. There are different runs of it, but I think the original, like actual comic version, is just uh, Batgirl, Black Canary, and Huntress. Uh-huh. And the in the comics, it is the um, one that's like family to like the mob in Gotham or something. Okay. Like that's like her backstory. Who shows up in Arrow in like the first or second season? Um, if anybody's ever watched that. Um, but in this version of Birds of Prey, where do I start? Um, let's see. Hmm. Is this the 2000 version? So this is 2002. Okay. This I just is... Before you get into this, I just want you to know Devin is going to sh- like shudder during this. <laughs> um, considering the fact that he dropped a superhero class... Because the teacher was going to have them watch Birds of Prey oh, the, man. from 2002. So, Birds of Prey 2002, it's last one season, 13 episodes. Oh, it is a God. marginal spinoff of Smallville. And by marginal, what I mean is Smallville started like the year or two before and was very popular. And so DC thought that they could eke out another show. Nice. <laughs> they, they could not. Uh, <laughs> um, nice. Birds of Prey 2002, first off, takes place in New Gotham. Not Gotham, yeah. New Gotham. Yeah. No explanation I for why it's New Gotham. About that. There's no explanation for why it's New Gotham. They just kind of want to say it takes place sometime I mean, in. There's an old Gotham. See, that's just it. Sorry. No, there isn't. No, that's no, there isn't. That's a Drake and Josh joke. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I, mean, I just couldn't let it not happen. Like, like it's like in this version of Gotham, what happened was Batman existed. His fight with with the jo- his you know ongoing lifelong fight with the Joker came to a head at some point. I forget what they call it. There was like a night of Joker's last stand or something, which they like literally refer to it like a bunch of times like that. So apparently that's the official name of this terrible night, which seems to be Joker was in a building that was on fire and Batman and Joker fought a bunch. I don't know what exactly makes it Joker's last stand, but. There's so many things they're trying to mix together here. So sometime after this last stand with Joker, um, basically the uh, events of – oh, God, when he shoots Barbara, when he shoots Batgirl and puts her in the wheelchair. um, God, 
what the killing joke killing joke thank, yeah, okay. thank you universe for finally letting my brain work basically after this last stand with the joker the events of the killing joke happen where he shoot where he kills uh where he shoots barbara and puts her in a wheelchair he also kills catwoman uh-huh. and so catwoman has a daughter who is apparently who they've said batman did not know this but it's his daughter so like batman and catwoman have a kid and then after this whole last stand with joker his catwoman gets killed and barbara gets shot and batman disappears this goes off to be a big baby somewhere and disappears and leaves <laughs> Gotham. And now we're suddenly in New Gotham. They never say that, like, oh, after this last day, things were so bad. We rechristened the city. Or, oh, then there was, like, this whole other event, and now we have New Gotham. None of that's ever explained. It's just suddenly it's just New Gotham now. Nice. <laughs> and so Birds of Prey is about and, – and so and Huntress is, you know, uh, Helena Kyle, the daughter of Catwoman and Batman. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Barbara – who's in her wheelchair, and she's technically Oracle at this point, except she never calls herself that. She's just Barbara. And then she has a computer system named Delphi, as in the Oracle of Delphi. (laughs) But again, they refuse to say the word Oracle for some reason. Except in that intro. And then, oh, he does call her Oracle in that terrible, terrible intro, doesn't he? Oh, we'll get to that. It felt like like a weird Power Rangers intro. Like, there's an... (laughs) Oh, God. Well, because Mystic Force opens kind of in the same, like, feeling of that opening. Well, it's funny because a lot of the, like, what's really weird is that a lot of the DC shows now start off that same way. What happens at the opening of this show, everybody, is that Alfred. It's a narrator. Some version of Alfred. (laughs) Is, a, is doing a really terribly, terribly done voiceover to explain the series. Um, and then they'll have their cold opening, and then there's a really bad opening credit sequence. Really bad opening credit sequence, um, which is even worse on the streaming app, because on the streaming app, they had to change the opening song. So oh, really? in the one that I found online, it's like this like heavy rock guitar, bad like early 2000s, like heavy rock music, right? And on the streaming app, it's like a Michelle Branch song. It's like like acoustic guitar <laughs> and violin, like over, over shots of like people beating each other up and throwing batarangs. What? Oh my God. Oh, oh my the end God. of the first episode, the end of the first episode is a Michelle Branch song. It's like it's it's like this really bad CGI shot of them sitting on the clock tower. That's like their their secret lair talking in a really like a Michelle Branch song in the background. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then there's also a black canary in this uh, Dinah Lance, who's like the third black canary that I can think of, um, is like this 16 year old teen runaway who also happens to have psychic powers, which is not a thing in any of the comics or TV shows before this. Like they just were like, we need her to have a power that's more than just beating people up because that's how it's <laughs> thing. So, oh, Black Canary is psychic in this one. She doesn't do the screaming canary cry that is like the whole point of Black Canary. <laughs> she has psychic powers instead. She never screams. She like, hasn't she never first, does a she whale. She hasn't in the episodes I watched. Her whole like background is that she had psychic powers and went into foster care and her foster family like abused her because they thought that she was like possessed by the devil or something. Like they did that didn't they thought her psychic powers made her a weirdo and so she became a runaway and like ran off to New Gotham where she met, you know, 
Oracle and, and Huntress because she was having dreams about them and all of this stuff. But like she has yet to have any sort of actual black canary powers in this in this show. Huh. Um, the other thing that's going on is that uh, Helena Huntress is theoretically half metahuman. I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. Because... They're just like, oh, by the way, she's not just the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. She's also got kind of half metahuman cat powers that yeah. don't mean so far that has meant nothing other than she fights good. And when she's about to fight, her eyes look like a cat's eye for a second. Yeah. That's literally all it is. OK, that's, it. that's all okay. it's surface. But, but why? I was so confused. Why? why show why is that a thing why is that important for her to be part of her character because it doesn't do anything for her <laughs> like because i so you said so you send me the intro and i watch it and i'm like why is she half cat Catwoman. Here's... Catwoman isn't actually a cat guys right. like yeah, there's like, no the way that that goes down hereditary like that is no that's not it's not hereditary Here, here's the thing you so the the introduction that you watched gives you as much information as me watching the first two episodes of this series has given <laughs> me as to what any of that means. Oh my god! Yeah, because they um, call black canary. Now that I remember it, uh, they they call black canary a metahuman as well. Yes, yes, and with psychic like, powers, which is just like which, their catch-all term for a person with powers. Which now I remember. I was really confused about that, too, because I'm like, I thought Black Canary just screamed at people. Right, and there are versions thought... in which she is a metahuman, but her metahuman power is that she screams She's at like a people. Ban she has a banshee cry. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's that's what her power is. What? So, like, what? Get, show. They just need what to you... spruce it up but... a bit. So then, so then here's the other thing that's going on with this, too, with the visuals of this show is... So they, you know, when the when the first episode opens, they're trying to do the background exposition stuff, and they show Batman and Catwoman, and they are wearing the Tim Burton costumes, <laughs> like straight up. He's nice. got the big yellow symbol on his chest, and she's got the stitched up mask that Michelle Pfeiffer wore. Like straight up, they are just using the aesthetics of Tim Burton's Batman for this for these shows, completely obviously ignoring anything Joel Schumacher ever brought to the table, but like the Tim Burton stuff. And then for like the two seconds, like where they show really blurry shots of the Joker, they used Mark Hamill's voice from the animated series to like superimpose over the, the episode. So that like to be like, they literally had to credit Mark Hamill as the voice of the Joker for wow. his one line that they probably just ripped from an episode of the animated series. Wow. And so they were like clearly trying to be like, oh, this show is some sort of weird timeline sequel to the Tim Burton movies and the animated series, which were only marginally connected to begin with. But then we're going to add this show on here, <laughs> which makes no sense whatsoever. Huh. Oh, God, it's so I don't know what the show wants to be. And then like Helena doesn't have a has a secret identity, but doesn't wear a mask. So she's like interacting with the cops regularly in the first two episodes and then just goes to her job as a bartender looking exactly the same, looking exactly the same. There is no reason anyone will ever not know that she is. The... 
<laughs> like nothing. Okay. Oh, uh, well, she doesn't God. have cat eyes when she's bartending, presumably, unless like I mean, some presumably... rowdy customer gets up on the bar and she's like, "God damn it, my cat abilities!" I mean, if you believe, I mean, be... if you believe what's be been shown in the out. show, if you believe what's shown in the show, she only has cat cat eyes for like one second at a time because it always just like transforms and then transforms right back and then she fights. So it's not like she's like. <laughs> Turning into a cat when she does these things. It's like it is like she might as well just be saying like like go go cat powers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. It's just it's just makes no sense. And the on top of all of this, Harley Quinn's the bad guy in this movie in this show. So like Harley Quinn did not apparently did not exist in whatever past this show has which means it's definitely not a sequel to the animated series like they were trying to say so <laughs> well, by having mark hamill involved in any way but just harley quinn just apparently never existed before and is now the bad guy in this series as helena's therapist who's clearly gonna go crazy at some point yeah <laughs> because crazy. she's harley quinn it's what she does <laughs> it's like... yeah because so i always thought that harley quinn was a bird of prey because of the new movie that's coming out with Margot Robbie. <laughs> she is usually the bat, like the main foil to the Birds okay. of Prey. Like they've worked together before, and then a lot of times it's like Harley Quinn's doing something. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy have decided to go off and do something, and the Birds of Prey are going to come in so that they can have like their whole, like a whole uh, all female thing yeah. going on. Yeah. So Harley Quinn is usually the bad guy yeah, to Birds of Prey. I was, which, I'm, but excited. Like... I'm excited for the new Birds of Prey movie because I loved Margot Robbie's. Um, Harley Quinn. Well, but I one thought of other... that she was. I thought she was gonna be like the quote-unquote good guy of the There's movie. There's also a possibility that they write the story where they have to team up with Harley Quinn and then do something. We don't know enough about the story. Like there are yeah. storylines in the comic that do that, so hmm. that's still a possibility. Interesting. But, <laughs> but um, the other thing is that uh, one of the shows coming out for DC Universe is a Harley Quinn animated series produced by Margot Robbie, but actually she's going to be voiced by Kaylee Cuoco, of all people. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. Oh. It's The trailer that's came out. That's interesting. And her, takes a minute to get used to the voice because she's, like, not really? doing, like, she's not doing, like, a Harley Quinn impression. She's clearly bringing her own voice to it, which is great, but also really hard to just, like, like, grasp because the show is very much using the like bruce tim animated series like models for the characters <laughs> like so That's actually very interesting yeah um so yeah that was i couldn't like i'm gonna keep watching the show by the way like I, i've been live <laughs> of I course you are first, why wouldn't I you the first two episodes i have 11 more to go i will watch every one of them but oh, i just could God. not believe it and then i was like you know i haven't watched gotham in a while <laughs> So I bounce over to Gotham because uh, they're in their last season now, which I completely forgot. And there's they're you know, I would like to get caught up with it before it ends. And um, I'm like just watching an episode. And speaking of like Harley Quinn's and the Joker, Laurie Petty shows up in an episode. Uh, Tank Girl shows yeah. up yeah. and just yeah. like and just like is in a clown costume hey, you for no reason. For no like, reason. What? She's just like. Bruce Wayne is like hunting down the guy that killed his parents and she's just one of the people that he got sent to to be like, she knows some information. So she just turns around and it's, oh yeah, awesome. by the way, here's Tank Girl dressed like Harley Quinn, basically. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, and then she gets to have a great scene with Gordon where she basically 
like has like a tank girl fuck you interview with him <laughs> he's, just like, he's just like tell me now and she's like why why i got nothing i don't need to tell you anything <laughs> oh man so you yeah, have that's water my... i'll exchange water for information <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, uh so my weird dc tv universe will continue to go i'll go down that rabbit hole and i'll let you know how it goes i'm but, i'm looking forward to hear how it oh, goes man and of course in the second episode it's like oh bad guys uh puddle of water and so we have him attack someone in a pool which of course means nice. we have to stick huntress and the and hot cop in a sauna together where they can get where we can get our two hot main characters half naked and arguing about their philosophies oh <laughs> because my gosh. yeah oh. I, I was thinking about that i was thinking about that and i realized 2002 is also when enterprise is on uh star trek enterprise is on yeah. and one of the things star trek enterprise every episode um who for people who don't know that's like the prequel series that was like the first enter like the first starfleet enterprise ship to go out so they don't have a transporter but they do have decontamination which meant that every episode there's like at least every episode there's a 10 minute scene where there's a bunch of the main characters in their underwear sitting in a sauna which was their decontamination it's a weird thing we did in the early 2000s <laughs> for our sci-fi characters was we made sure we could get them half naked and stuck in a room somewhere for a while oh. Uh, well, well. <laughs> that's all I got this week. And I think uh, I think that's the best place to stop. I think that is <laughs> thinking th- about Scott Bakula and decontamination. That's the best place. <laughs> to stop. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Well, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> if you did, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Say Report Junior. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Also, you just type in Say Report Junior and you get some of our episodes. Um, you can also follow each of one of us on Twitter. I am at Dale's Brain. And I am at Zerwiski. And if I, I thought I had something else. I don't. Uh, let's all go get ice cream. Yeah. Goofy Goobers. Let's all go get Goofy Goober 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 ice cream. Goofy Goobers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, take it away, Liz. There That's we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Say Report with your hosts, Dale Decker and Zach Sarawick. Please follow the guys on Twitter and Facebook by searching for The Say Report. And you can always subscribe on your podcast channel so this is delivered straight to you and you can enjoy it every week. With apologies to your mother, we'll see you next time. <laughs>